Chapter 6 The Ravine The cumulative impact of several bad decisions comes together here. The Ravine A bag of mixed nuts, fruitcake, small clusters of homemade cookies, and six bottles of imported beer. These items are all benign enough when arranged thoughtfully in a gift basket nestled in between red and green tissue paper. At speeds as low as 20 miles per hour, these items easily transform into a deadly buzzsaw. At faster speeds, vessels fly free like angry missiles. The ridged caps of the glass bottles grinding flesh to mincemeat as they whiz by. The higher the speed, the greater the damage. And so it was on this snowy night on a lonely mountain road. The tires of her rusty Subaru had let go of the road and spun her like a centrifuge five times around at 60 miles per hour. She'd been speeding. No time for regrets. A large scenic view sign appeared like a blur, like a whisper in a crowded bar, but did nothing to interrupt her momentum. The car carrying the now weightless food basket, some extra winter clothing, a plastic shovel, one small dog, and one human easily crashed through the snowbank with explosive power. Even the wind held its breath as the car careened off the edge of the mountain pass, down into the blackness below. Five weeks' worth of the worst winter in Maine's history did well to decelerate the vehicle, finally ending the descent with an abrupt stop not far from an enormous old spruce tree. The accident was stunningly brutal, impartial, and swift. An eleven-pound terrier mix whimpered from confusion and relief. His body had been thrown from his spot in the back down to the floor under the passenger seat, where a winter puff coat and a pair of ski mittens kept him cushioned and unscathed. The driver, however, was bleeding badly. Several hours passed, and nothing happened. Nobody saw the white station wagon disappear into the tangle of forest below. Worse still, nobody would report the driver missing. No one was back home, setting a table for two, concerned that dinner was getting cold. Family and friends had grown tired of her hurtful indifference and had given up. No, nobody was going to notice her absence. In time, perhaps, stacks of unpaid bills at the post office might cross paths with one of several calls from a certain bankruptcy attorney and alert the sheriff, but that was all months away. For this driver, on this lonely night, the future was certain. The pipes in her old farmhouse were going to freeze, and the mice would reclaim control of the kitchen. Shadows would move in, and the motion sensor light would enjoy a long winter's nap, undisturbed. She was never going home. Despite warnings from the National Weather Service and pleas from her most recent ex-mother-in-law, she had insisted on leaving the gathering that night, determined to make her way back home over the mountain, back to her isolated farmhouse on the hill. For her, the non-stop chatter and clatter of a full house celebrating Christmas felt like torture. You look like death warmed over. We have some goodies for you. Why don't you get out more? Hey, do you have any friends up there? You should stay here for the night. We don't bite, you know. You could leave after breakfast. We got you a dog to keep you company. Isn't he darling and... 
They were trying to be nice, and the rational part of her brain certainly knew that. But at the same time, the malfunctioning part of her brain couldn't manage the chaos. From the moment she arrived, she felt hot, anxious, miserable. She'd held on for almost an hour, but that was all she could manage. She did her part and showed up for the gathering. But if they thought for a second that she would spend the night or stay a second longer than was absolutely necessary, they could all go to hell. She was sick, and she had long ago given up on recovering. She needed to be home, away from people, where it was quiet. And if they really cared about her, they would all just leave her alone. She agreed to take the small dog, but only because her head was throbbing so badly that she didn't have the strength to push back. What the hell am I supposed to do with a dog? She remembered thinking. Can't they see? I can't even care for myself. With one deep and sudden inhalation, the quiet stillness of the car's interior was shattered. The driver cried out, her call was met by a soft whimper and then the frantic wagging of one little tail. The dog squirmed free of his cocoon and excitedly made his way back and up over the center console to the human. He is the one who pointed out that her right arm was broken. She screamed, and in that moment the contents of her bladder emptied and she was out cold again. More time passed before she reopened her eyes. By then, the inside of the car was scary cold. It was dark, and she could see almost nothing. She released the seatbelt with her left hand and gingerly walked her fingers over and around her body. Her right arm was broken. That much was obvious. The right side of her ribcage was splintered, making every inhalation an impossible choice between life and death. She shallowed her breathing. Her feet moved, her legs moved, the swollen fingers of her left hand felt her face. The bone around her left eye socket was impossible to touch. Okay, dog, I'm going to open this door, and we're going to get out of this car and get some help. He readied himself, happily, eager to pounce on her again. No, she slurred. Don't, don't move. He cowered down in the passenger seat, confused by her tone. She popped the handle and watched as the door swung open violently. The knowledge that she was on an incline panicked her. Would the car continue to slide? How far down had she already come? I'm going up first, then you. Just wait right here, please. Her own voice sounded strange and garbled. She swung her feet around and placed them on the ground. Around her, the snow was deep and fluffy, and the icy air slammed into her like a wrecking ball. She grabbed hold of a large balsam branch that dangled down before her, and she used it to pull her body up and out of the car. Her mangled arm dropped down, and she buckled over, racked with pain. Ah, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, she chanted rhythmically until agony released its grip, finally allowing her to stand erect. The snow was falling fast, already accumulating on her shoulders. She had to get to the back seat. The distance was just feet away, but her multiple injuries coupled with the 30-degree incline of the mountainside made it feel impossible. She made it. 
But the back door was locked, and she cursed at the thought of retracing each torturous movement. She shuffled backwards until her fingers connected with the driver's side door, and then she heard the familiar clunk of the car's lock button. Carefully, she made her way back to the rear door handle and pulled it. The door lurched open violently, nearly knocking her over. While she struggled to remain standing, the winter night barged in and hungrily lapped up the last of the car's residual heat. The interior dome light illuminated the back seat, and she carefully made her way toward her puffy winter jacket. She had decided in the last few minutes of that rush morning not to grab her winter snow boots. I'll be fine, she told herself, and now, wearing nothing but street shoes, her feet throbbed with the signs of early frostbite. She used her left hip to force the rear car door closed while she cradled her right arm against her body. Using her feet, she made a clearing for the dog. Once it was big enough for him to relieve himself, she called him outside. You can come out now, she huffed. While the dog sniffed around, the woman pulled out the hat and scarf that she kept jammed in the coat sleeve of her emergency parka. Since moving north, she had always kept emergency gear in her car. If you were a fisherman, you had life jackets in your boat. If you drove a car in the remote corners of Maine, you carried extra clothing and a shovel, and, if you were lucky, you'd never need them. With her head now covered, she hoped to make a sling out of the scarf, but between her multiple injuries and the cold, she was shivering uncontrollably. It would have to wait. She managed to work the coat sleeve over her good arm and leaned forward to bring the rest of the coat over her right shoulder. Come on, dog. Let's get out of the wind. She followed the dog back inside the coal steel shelter of the station wagon. Come here, dog. Easy, easy. Come, warm up. Cautiously, he made his way over to her lap. She reached down to adjust the seat back, hoping to put more space between her and the rigidity of the unforgiving steering wheel. But the seat released itself unexpectedly, and she dropped backwards. The jolt took her breath away, and she screamed again. Working quickly, her cold and clumsy left hand managed to relocate the seat adjustment lever, and she returned the seat to its upright position. The little mutt tucked his body deep into the left side of her coat and curled up into a ball. She was running out of energy and fighting nausea. This was all she could manage for the moment, and so she closed her eyes, leaving the despair of reality for the comfort of nothingness. With the driver unconscious, the car slid forward down into the open arms of the mighty spruce forest. The falling snow worked quickly to finish the job, and within an hour any trace of her existence was completely concealed from the road above. The driver had been slow to wake. It was late morning, and the dog's whimpering and scratching was what revived her. She moaned softly. The heavy blanket of snow that covered the car kept the daylight gray and muted. The woman's labored breathing crystallized in the air. She moved up, pulling her body toward the rearview mirror. She could see herself now, and she gasped. Her face, swollen and shredded, was pasted stiff with brown blood. She looked down. The black and blue slab of bone and flesh that once was a wrist and arm looked dangerously frozen and disfigured. 
The dog, oblivious to how little time his new human had left to live, wagged expectedly. He was hungry. She looked right over toward the passenger seat. It was peppered with the contents of the Christmas gift basket. She was planning to enjoy it alone in front of the wood stove. But plans had changed. Though she could not turn her body to reach the loaf of fruit cake or the large bag of mixed nuts that littered the floor of the passenger side, she could reach three bottles of imported beer and several bags of assorted cookies. She loosened one of the ties from a cookie bag and fed the dog. Then, using her left hand, she slammed the beer bottle down against the dashboard, sending the cap flying up into the air, grazing her face. She lifted the bottle to her lips and drank greedily. It washed away the blood in her mouth and re-energized her. Her companion finished the last of the bottle, licking happily as she tipped the contents gently into his mouth. Then she braced herself. It was daylight, time to look around. She moved to open the door, but this time it did not swing open as it had done previously. Instead, it moved only a few inches. She worked carefully to push it open inch by inch, using her left shoulder until she had enough space to swing her body around. She used her feet for the final push. The dog leapt from her lap and disappeared into the deep snow. She looked for the branch that had helped her the night before. It wasn't there. Instead, it was several feet up the hill. She took in her surroundings. It had stopped snowing, and thanks to the tree in front of her, the car was done sliding. Her eyes traced the car's trajectory back up almost 200 feet to the jutting edge of the scenic overlook that led to the big lake below. She knew this area well, but had never seen it from this angle. As the driver continued her assessment, her stomach twisted tight. There were no visible tracks leading to her vehicle. The ravine, the snow, and the trees had swallowed her whole. She noticed the sky. It was cloudy and gray, busy reorganizing itself before unleashing what would be three more days of record-level snowfall. She could hear the wind as it moved through the fir trees and echoed across the frozen lake below. It was all so beautiful and so sad. This is not going to end well for me. Warily, she made her way back to the Subaru and opened the door. Her companion jumped in and over to the passenger seat. His curly yellow hair was caked in snow, and he was shaking. After several tries, she finally worked the car door closed. Then she wrapped her scarf around the dog's torso. You're going to need this more than I will, she said kindly. The two riders shared a bag of cookies, and the woman opened another beer. This time, her new friend was given half of the bottle first. With his belly full, he moved knowingly around her injuries and returned to his spot on her lap. He gave warmth, and he took warmth. His presence reminded her of a time not so long ago when life was full of promise and hope, and she had wanted to participate in it. It was a fleeting thought. She remembered the feeling but could not mourn it. She had forgotten how to cry. She slipped away again. Sometime later, her eyes were forced open by the sound of a deep and menacing growl. She looked down at the dog slowly and then followed his gaze to see movement outside the car. 
there, moving casually in almost four feet of snow, was a man, and he was clearing off the windows with his bare hands. She thought she heard him whistling. He was tall and thin with a shock of thick black hair. His skin looked gray against the white of winter, and she noticed that he was only wearing a thin windbreaker. It was unzipped and hung loosely from his body. I'm dreaming. She stared through the car window blankly. Her shallow breath was becoming less frequent now, and it made only the smallest hint of condensation against the frozen glass. The figure bent over. Well, hello there. His voice was loud and strong, and his eyes sparkled with the intensity of a cat watching movement in the grass. The dog was snarling viciously, his back coiled up against her like a spring. With the last of her life force, she tried to will her left hand to move up and over toward the driver's side door, toward the lock button. She wanted to save her dog. But her body had stopped moving hours ago. She mumbled something incoherent and inaudible. Her body had relented to the cold and its agenda. She was frozen, defenseless. The car doors remained unlocked. The pipes in the basement of her old farmhouse would soon succumb to the Arctic conditions, bursting open and covering everything with a spray of water that would quickly turn to several inches of ice. Unpaid bills were already piling up, and mice were scampering boldly across the kitchen countertops. Nobody missed her. Nobody ever would. The man bit his bottom lip playfully. The Ravine, written and performed by Bridget Emmons. Thanks for listening.